Welcome to the Live My Dream podcast, hosted by me, Brendan Abernathy, singer-songwriter and performing artist, traveling around the United States, living my dream, which I would love for you to follow along with on beabernathy.com. That's babernathy.com. On this podcast, I interview cool people doing cool things about their decision to step boldly into fear and make their dream a reality today. Hi, welcome to the Live My Dream Podcast. This is Brendan Abernathy, your host, here with my good friend, Walter Brock Garrigan, down from Washington, D.C., about to move to Philadelphia. He's on the podcast with us today because he was working a wonderful job for three years, but was called into ministry and is going to seminary next year. So, Brock, tell us a little bit about yourself, man. Whoop, whoop. Um, Brendan, thank you for having me, first off on the Live My Dream podcast, Live My Dream podcast. Live My Dream. Um, about myself, I'm from suburbia, Atlanta. I went to the University of Georgia, graduated in 2016, and from there went to Washington, D.C., lived there for three years, worked in management consulting um, with a company called Deloitte there, and now am going to theological seminary school. It's actually... I called it seminary school but apparently i'm not supposed to do that it's just called seminary seminary which is a fun fact Um, but i'm going there in philadelphia next month and that's a three-year program so i'm excited for that heck yeah what are you most excited about for going to westminster school in general i think i didn't necessarily have this quality when i was growing up or in college but i just want to learn i have become a lot more of a learner since i lived in dc and I just have so many questions that I don't have answers to and want to learn. And so particularly with ministry, I think I want to learn how to understand the Bible and teach the Bible. And so there are a lot of practical skills and just like frameworks that I don't know yet that I think seminary will be really helpful for. Cool. So Brock is transitioning from a really awesome job in Washington, D.C., working in consulting, actually where he was consulting the government on border protection, which is obviously a pretty hot topic uh, right hot now topic. um and now he's going into ministry and i think to a lot of people that definitely seems like <laughs> night and day um so brock knowing in in college that you maybe had an inkling for loving people through ministry how did you decide on consulting and then what moved you to make the decision for ministry and maybe what's next what's down the road with ministry as well great question So something that was really helpful for me, I did a program in college that was focused on leadership, and they very much helped us think about the long view and the long term of everything. And so before I chose a job right after college, I did have that inkling of I I might want to go into ministry one day. Um, But something I was really passionate about is being relatable, and I feel like I saw I guess in my personal story, I didn't want to go straight into ministry or straight into ministry without having any sort of understanding of what a nine to five normal job looks like. Um, Like I didn't want to stand on a stage and tell people you need to minister to people in the workplace if I had never done it. And so that was honestly a majority of the reason why I chose to go work in business. I also think for people that I don't know what they want to do, consulting is a great thing to do because you meet a lot of people you learn a lot and it is a way to delay your career choice while looking really good on your resume and you learn a lot so consulting was a an easy answer for that um and then in choosing 
seminary, so seminary is also a very controversial topic because some people don't agree with seminary at all. They think it's kind of a flawed institution, don't think it's necessary, yada, yada. And then once you get past that, actually choosing a particular school, again, is a very hot topic. People will kind of bucket you and classify you based on conservative or liberal theology. They'll classify you based on denomination. So there's all these different buckets that you have to choose from with ministry. But again, I wanted to go somewhere where I could understand people that weren't like me. Um, and so I wanted to go somewhere that was very academic. I'm not very academic. I try to be, but I'm just not. Um, and so that was kind of a cool decision for me to go and to a school at Philadelphia where I'll be challenged a lot. And then again, in the long view, something I'm fascinated by is the idea of dynasties, if that's the word that you want to use. So basically a topic or an organization or something that is lasting beyond just your generation. I think I'm fascinated by that. And so I think about a lot. How do you make, for me, the faith, how do you make that a lasting thing in our culture today? How do you kind of instill qualities in people and instill a desire in people to know the Lord that will last and that will have an impact on culture for generations to come? Um, so I'm really, really interested in how that looks. And so I love studying organizations and all that kind of stuff. So a few things I've thought about. Something that rocked me in college, there's a book called Good to Great, which is a really foundational leadership book, and it talks about great leaders versus good leaders, and the biggest thing between them is great leaders, when they leave their organization, the organization gets better after they leave because they have made the organization about the mission and not about themselves, and they have so raised up leaders beneath them to take that mission. And so that to me is crazy, of one, whatever organization I'm in in the future, I want to be able to make it not about me and make it about some sort of mission and raising people up around me that can carry that on once I'm gone. And that is incredibly hard and requires a whole lot more humility than I have at the current state of my life. And so I'm ready to patiently wait for that because I don't want to mess up with that yet. Um, another thing that I think is fascinating is the life cycles of organizations. So. If I think about my dream today, my dream is to be a pastor, at least right today it is. Hypothetically, if in 10 years I became a pastor and pastored a church for 20 years, had great success, yada, yada, retired at like 55 or 60, and then the organization or the church kind of stopped in existence when I was like 70. I don't think I'd be content with that. Like sure, had 20 years of success, blah, blah, blah. But then when I'm 70, the organization's done. And then where did my impact go? Like maybe some of the people in the organization carried on what I brought, but where did it go? And I think it's interesting to look at the life cycles of organizations and knowing that that happens. Like if you look at the list of Fortune 500 companies, I don't know the number off the top of my head. I would say at least 90% of them weren't around 50 to 75 years ago. That's crazy that all of the organizations and companies that we know of today are new within like our parents' generation. Um, so I think that's important for us to know and for me to know of, if my goal is to start an organization, it's gonna die within my generation or the generation after me. So if I really wanna have a lasting impact, how do I have something that is outside of the context of an organization that brings that impact to people? Um, 
So that's something I think about a lot. I don't have a solution to that, but super fascinated by that topic. And with that long view, I think that's given me a lot more patience to not jump into anything just yet and has given me a lot more time to say I have a whole lot more to learn than I currently do. And I'm excited for that. And I think that gives me purpose. How did you develop ministry skills while you were working? And then what pushed you to make the decision to develop those in a formal context? I got lucky in that a church from Atlanta, Passion City Church in Atlanta, planted a church in D.C. my second year in the city. And so they were a super young church just looking for people to volunteer and help out and help it get started in D.C. And so I got to volunteer there for about a year and a half. Um, And one really cool thing about that church is they require a lot from their volunteers. So I probably put 10 hours a week into volunteering at the church outside of normal day job. Um, And so that gave me a really cool opportunity just to get to know what planting a church looks like, get to know the ins and outs of ministry in a church. I think I saw a lot of it from a volunteer perspective, a little bit from a staff perspective, but still not like what a full staff member of a church would see. And so still have a lot to learn in that regard. And then something that clarified it for me a little bit is Looking over the last three years when I would catch up with friends from back home or talk to family or whatever, I didn't mention consulting at all. Like I just wanted to talk about what was going on at the church, um, what like community looked like in DC, all that kind of stuff. And I think that that was just an example of this is what I care about. Like I am just constantly thinking about church. I'm constantly thinking about kind of culture and how you bridge the two. Um, And I loved getting that opportunity to plant a church in the city. And I think that the fact that I kept thinking about this over a period of time was like an indicator for me of, hey, I actually might want to do this. Um, And I'd say I had seeds of those thoughts in college, but I didn't know if that was what I wanted to do full time. And I don't think that I would have been ready to go to seminary right after school either. Um, So I think a period of about three years where I just basically looked at what I thought about and what I was passionate about the whole time. That was primarily revolving around ministry. And so that was my like quote unquote calling to go into seminary. It's basically like, it's my passion. It's been my passion over a long period of time and want to go do it full time. So there was no distinctive call. It was more of a time elapsed burden of desire. Yeah. It's funny in like the Christian community that like I get, I got asked that all the time. Like, how do you know that you're called to ministry? How do you know that you have the gifts of preacher and gifts of ministry, that kind of stuff. Um, And I think there's definitely an element of other people kind of affirming your gifts in the ministry world. I think that's really important. But at the end of the day, I didn't have this like lightning bolt from heaven, God telling me, you are destined to go be a preacher, go do this. It was more so like, I want to do it. Like this is what I think about all the time. It's my passion. And this like thought has been here for a long period of time. It's not just a spur of the moment, little pipe dream that came up out of nowhere. It's like for years I've thought about this. Um, And so that was more of my like answer to the quote unquote, am I called to ministry? And then I had enough of the external validation from people to say, hey, you're not crazy. You're not doing this for, you know, the worst of intentions. I think you have good intentions behind it. think you would be good at it. Go do it. Um, So that was kind of enough for me to do that but it definitely took a long time like I it took a period of several months 
probably even longer than that to feel enough assurance that I was making the right call. So it took a longer time than I expected it to for sure. Do you think that was fear coming into play or do you think that was patience? Um, <clears throat> a few things. So I think with like ministry in particular, I really, really, really wanted to be sure that my intentions were right. Um, cause there's so many bad intentions about wanting to go on a stage and have everyone look at you and you try to influence people and that kind of stuff. And those intentions were totally in me. And so I very much wanted to make sure that I was making the decision on good intentions and genuinely wanting to help people and not on bad ones. I think another thing that I looked at was I didn't want to escape from DC. So DC was kind of a hard experience for me. I think it was getting out of my Athens bubble, getting into a new environment was just like a lot more hard than I, a lot more difficult, not hard than I expected. And I wanted to make sure that I wasn't running away from something and running into ministry, which can be a more comfortable thing sometimes if you think about it. So I wanted to make sure that I wasn't running away from something and choosing something. You had a desire to go up to the Northeast while you were in Athens, but then you got there and it was hard. And I remember you telling me about that. Can you talk a little bit about what it was like leaving something that was really comfortable and going to this new uncomfortable place where you knew no one, but that that's where you wanted to go and that's what you really wanted to do? And what was it like overcoming the barriers once you got there? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so I definitely wanted to be as uncomfortable as possible when I left college. That was definitely something I talked about a lot. Why? Um, I think something that very much motivated me was Paul in the Bible. I don't actually remember what book it's in. Um, talks about in order to save some, referring to like some type of people, in order to save some people, he is going to become like a Jew or he's going to do all these different things in order to try to save people. Um, and a lot of that is like he is trying to understand different groups of people in order to understand how to appeal the gospel to them. Um, and for me, that was really important. I wanted to be able to understand a culture that was not my own in order to, quote unquote, save some or bring the gospel to a new place. Um, and I think that I just looked at the Northeast and I was like, the culture up there is not as, I guess, inundated with Christianity as it is in the South. Um, I very much had a passion to go somewhere where Christianity is not super prevalent and <clears throat> this sounds cliche, but try to be a light in that type of environment. Um, and then speaking to the uncomfort of it, when I left Athens, I just had this mindset of, I got this, I'm going to DC. I know what my purpose is. I know what my goals are. Let's do it. And I love this quote that I found about last year. It's accredited to Mike Tyson. I don't actually know if this is a Mike Tyson quote, but he says, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. And I love that. And that's very much what DC felt like. It felt like I got up there, had all these dreams and passions and ambitions and goals. They were all really good. And just felt like I got punched in the mouth. I had no one that I could rely on anymore first job out of school was just a lot harder than I thought that it was going to be. The culture in DC was a lot more difficult than I thought it was going to be. Didn't feel like I clicked with people as much as I wanted to. Um, and it was just really, really hard. And I feel like I honestly, the, the boxing ring analogy is really helpful to be like, man, I feel like I just got punched in the mouth and now I'm on my butt on the floor and I'm like, what am I going to do? Am I 
going to get up and keep fighting in this fight or am I going to kind of check out and go in the corner like what do I do with my life it's raining a lot it just started pouring where we are holy moly so yeah I think that DC was a lot more confusing than I expected it to be and my life was a lot harder for sure and I think that it very much tested like how much do you want to do this is this really worth it because before, I think they were all ideas. And then in practice, I was like, holy moly, this is harder than I thought it was going to be. Was it worth it? Yes. It was worth it. Am I, am I sitting here today after three years in D.C. with totally clarified vision? Do I know why everything happened? Do I know a purpose behind everything? Absolutely not. Still very much confused about some things. Don't have clarity on some things. But I know that it was still worth it. I feel good about that. Even though I'm still confused and Still getting up from the ring, I would say. How do you keep fighting and keep moving on when you're confused? It's a great question. I was thinking about this the other day. I feel like there's a lot of cool analogies with life and also chasing a dream that you could relate to going on a run. So whenever I go on a run, there are different stages of the run. Like there's the very beginning where I'm running pretty fast, feel really good. Honestly, when I'm running, I'm like, I hope someone sees me when I'm running because I think I look good. Like, (laughs) I'm doing pretty well. Um, And then there's a part of the run where, like, you hit your first hill. And it's like, all right, this is a little bit more challenging, but I think I got this. And you get up on the top of the hill. It's like, man, I do got this. Let's go. Um, And then there's, like, for me, it always happens, like, two-thirds of the way in the run. I'm like, oh, crap, I actually might not make it towards the end. I'm really tired or I have a cramp, like what's going on? And I have that decision of, I need to, I need to slow down. Like I just need to slow down on this race and I'll slow down. And again, I can have the decision. Do I need to walk? Like, do I need to adjust my pace? Cause something just hit me. That's really hard. And I don't know if I can keep going. I don't know if I'm quote unquote supposed to keep going on this race. Um, and that hits me every single time I run. And I thought that that was such a cool image for chasing the dream. And that very much, felt like dc in those stages like you don't want people to see you like when, when i'm walking on a run or when i'm really really slow and i'm struggling i don't want people to see me in that stage i want them to see me at the very beginning where i'm trucking along and killing it in the run um and so that is what i think dc felt like a lot of times and what was really really helpful for me in those moments was partly to rely on other people around me so i kind of in a race you can either picture you're running alongside people or you can picture there's people like it's an actual race and there's people cheering you on but I needed people to spurn me on and to kind of give me hope in those moments where I was like I actually don't know if I can do this and I don't want people to see me right now so it took a lot of courage to be able to admit that I'm not where I want to be or I'm not running this race like I want to um and so that was really really helpful for me I think I mean I, I could talk all day about that race analogy. The second thing, a lot of the reason why I kind of freak out in moments where I feel like I have to walk is just comparing myself to other people. So if I see other people running in the stage where they are killing it and they're doing really well and it's really easy, I look at myself in the stage where I'm like, I don't want to be seen. I'm not killing it. I'm not thriving. I'm never going to make it or I'm never going to be what I used to be. Um, and so those thoughts kind of killed me a lot of times and bred a lot of doubt in me 
because I would just look at other people and be like, man, why am I not thriving? Like, I really want to be thriving. And I've been thriving before. Why am I not thriving now? What did I do wrong? And so wrestling with a lot of those thoughts, which again, really, really helpful to bring those to the surface and talking to other people. So I'd say that saved me a lot of times is talking to other people. Um, you know, I could, I could sell the story of will yourself to happen, just keep going, persevere. And that's wholly true. Um, but it, I could not have done it on my own. Like I needed people around me to push me to keep going. So I'd say a combo of like perseverance through difficult times, um, and then relying on other people. I know how important goal setting is to us. And when you were just talking, you mentioned that you might never be what you used to be. And then you also mentioned looking at other people for like an example. We always ask those three questions. Who am I? Who do I want to be? And how am I going to get there? So what are you chasing now? And how are you getting there day to day? I think back to what I was talking before in those moments where you just feel like you got punched and it's like, man, what do I do? And life just feels really cloudy. Like it's not as clear as it used to be. And so in college, I feel like I could spout off my purpose all day, every day. And then in the moments where I was down, I was like, man, I don't even know what I'm doing here. So something that I really tried to wrestle with in DC was what is my end goal in life? And part of me really wants it to say me to thrive. But when I actually go back and look at the purpose that I established before I moved to DC, it's to love people, which, you know, I hope that there are more seasons in my life where I'm thriving and get to love people. But I also know that there are going to be seasons where I'm not thriving and I still am called to live out my purpose and I still want to live out my purpose. Um, And so that was really, really challenging for me to learn that I'm called to love people regardless of how I feel or regardless of whatever I'm going through. And that was really, really grounding for me to know that, wait, my goal in life is not to thrive and to quote unquote kill it or to quote unquote be successful, whatever that means. My goal in life is to love people, however that looks. And so that was really, really humbling and still have so much to learn in that lesson. That relates to something I think is really important for anyone that's listening to the podcast is for someone that finds themselves in a role, in a job, in a position that doesn't make them come alive, that they don't love. And even when we do choose to do something we're really passionate about, I mean, I have days as a musician that I'm like, this sucks. I mean, yesterday I spent like eight hours on Instagram. That was horrible for me. I hate being on social media, but it's part of the job. Mm -hmm. So what is your exhortation for people when they're stuck in monotony to still find that purpose for you of loving people or for other people of whatever maybe their purpose is? Or maybe is it to find your purpose and then attack it through what you're doing? I think finding, I mean, finding your purpose is, I would say the hard part sometimes, but also now I'm kind of like, maybe that's the easy part and actually living it out is the hard part. Um, I always love finding a purpose that's outside of yourself. And I think if something is outside of yourself, you're more willing to persevere through any sort of crap that comes your way. Um, so my exhortation to people that would be saying, is this worth it? Honestly, the biggest thing for me was to admit to people like friends around me that I was struggling with it and that I was questioning, is this worth it? And have the people that know you best speak life into you. And so they'll be able to know you well enough to say, Hey, I actually don't think this is your fight. I think you should get out or they'll be able to say, no, this is your fight. I know you 
keep going, you're fine. Um, something that is like the Me Too movement is really, really popular now. And I totally get now the power of hearing a Me Too. Like when you are in a low moment, whatever that low moment is, if you do cry out and hear another person cry out too and say, hey, I'm in a similar situation, oh my gosh, that gives you so much hope to know, one, you're not alone, and two, now you have someone to kind of walk out of this pit, if you will, with. Um, and so I think that's what I would say, is cry out to the people around you and let your friends lead you. How do you find purpose when life sucks? Boom. How do you find purpose when life sucks? Um, for me, the Bible was really, really helpful. Um, and just running to scripture, which is not something that I did a ton in college, honestly. Like I read the Bible every day, but it wasn't something that I necessarily like really needed. But in DC, I just came across a ton of points in life where I was like, what is going on? Like, God, I feel like I followed you and everything that I was supposed to do. What just happened? And so finding so many examples of scripture of like David crying out in the Psalms all the time, or the Israelites constantly in Exodus being thrown into deserts or being thrown into difficult circumstances. Uh, something that I thought was really cool, Joseph, before he became the ruler of Egypt, was in prison, and he did this cool answering a prophecy dream for a cupbearer. And long story short, cupbearer got out of prison, was supposed to get Joseph out, forgot about him, and Joseph sat in prison for two more years. And that's all the Bible has to say about it. Like, Joseph did what he was supposed to do, but didn't end up getting out of prison, sat there for two more years. And the more that I read Scripture, the more that I realized that the path of following Jesus and, and being a servant of God is the long route, and it's the hard route, and it involves a lot of deserts, and it involves loneliness sometimes, suffering a lot of times, persecution, pain, all that kind of stuff. And so it was really helpful for me to know that oh, I'm not necessarily doing it wrong, or I'm not necessarily alone, that this is the path of the Christian life, which in college I didn't get. I thought that it was follow Jesus, thrive, an equation just like that. Um, and the more and more I'm finding, it's like follow Jesus, and you're going to be a servant of him, and he's going to be with you the whole time. But holy moly, he's going to take you to some places to make his name known, but man, it's going to be hard. Um, and so that helped me a lot and was a guiding light in a lot of my life. Um, so for other people finding their purpose in times that suck is basically like, is your, is your why strong enough beyond any sort of like suffering or challenges that come to you? Like if your goal is to serve people, if it starts sucking for you, are you still going to serve them or are you going to protect yourself and get the happiness and the joy for yourself? If your purpose is for you to be happy and joyful, then yeah, you will leave. If your purpose is genuinely to help people, then you're going to keep going regardless of what your current circumstance looks like. Are you struggling from not having the ideal summer that you were hoping to have? Or maybe you're just hoping to make some new friends in a fun way. Well, the burrito challenge is perfect for you. This episode of the Live My Dream podcast is made possible 
by the Burrito Challenge. Now, what is the Burrito Challenge? Well, the Burrito Challenge is the best day of the year. Now, I, I have a lot of awesome days in my year. I'm thankful for that. But the Burrito Challenge takes the cake by being on top. Or moreover, it takes the burrito, I guess. Because what the Burrito Challenge is, is an all-day fun fest, including eating five burritos, three fun activity stops, and a day packed full of exciting surprises, one of which is a concert by me. Woohoo! And just by participating in it, you're helping raise money for St. Jude's, a recovery center based in Atlanta. And this year, it is only $50 to cover everything for the day. That is including five burritos, three amazing activities, an incredible day of surprises, a concert, and raising money for the fine people of St. Jude's. But if you use the promo code DREAM, that's right, DREAM, you get $5 off your registration. That's 10% off. That's amazing. So go check out the Burrito Challenge on Instagram at Burrito Challenge and go to their website at theburritochallenge.com and sign up for this awesome day. I personally will be there on Saturday, August 3rd. I would not miss it. It is truly such a fun day. I'll be playing tunes, eating burritos right alongside you and enjoying these awesome activities for the best day of the year at the Burrito Challenge. Have you felt supported in making your decision to leave the working world for school? I would say yes, yes and no. Um, felt very supported by family, which is really good. I felt really supported by friends. I think, honestly, the church community, not my direct church community, but other people that maybe weren't in my particular circles, that's where I got the most confusing questions. So that's where I got a lot of the, how do you know you're quote-unquote called to ministry? How do you know you have the gift of preaching? How do you know that the seminary you're choosing, the right one, I don't think it's the right one. So all these different types of things that in the moment really sucked, um, but I think that they made me think a lot harder about what I was doing and why I wanted to do it. So they ultimately made me better and... It was probably out of good intentions that the people were asking to. I just kind of felt attacked in the moment because I didn't want to like, to me, it was an attack on my dream. And I hated when people were quote unquote attacking my dream. Um, so that was hard to kind of work through, but I think it made me stronger in my convictions and knowing what I wanted to do. Do you think the distinction of, because earlier you were talking about time and people telling you this is probably not that far off is a good indication that yeah my dream's like real it's not just this fantasy i have in my brain how do you make the distinction is it friends versus french friends or how do you decide who to listen to great question so one time is really helpful i don't think in the moment i was able to have an immediate assurance of oh boom this is it so i think Sitting on a dream over time was the best thing that I did and seeing where my desires went. So if I could tell that my desires started to be fleeting in one way, then I'd be like, hey, maybe this isn't the dream. If they started to grow, even amidst opposition, then I think that's a sign of, huh, maybe I actually might want to do this. And then two, they're just naturally people that you trust, that you really trust their opinion. And I think those are the people that you know are going to tell you things that are for your good and not for their own good. Um, and I think I just 
trust people like that and listen to their opinions louder than other people's. Um, but I think at the end of the day, it really is time and looking at your desires over time, kind of seeing where those are leading you. And so I didn't make any quick rash decisions, which I think was wise. It was harder to do, but wise. So I think I'd tell people to sit on it for a little while. Adelaide. My life is a journey now. It didn't really turn out how I never thought it would. Got a long, long way to go. So talking about uh, lifestyle, Brock, Come you're, on. You're, you're moving from a uh, very financially comfortable lifestyle to... Uh, D.C. is very expensive. Okay. So yeah, tell us about <laughs> lifestyle. <laughs> oh, lifestyle. Yes. So I used to make money and now I don't make money anymore. <laughs> That's the best way to summarize it. A pro is I'm moving to a cheaper city in Philadelphia versus D.C. Um Honestly, I don't think that my lifestyle will change that drastically. Um, one, I tried to save up a lot of money these past three years. Two, I've also been learning about money that we kind of earn money to, in a sense to spend it. And so I feel less bad than I used to in college about spending money on what I want to. And so when I earned it, I knew what I wanted to save. I tried to be very diligent about knowing what I wanted to save. I knew what I wanted to give, tried to be very diligent about that. But everything else, it's like, hey, I earned this. I don't want to feel bad about using this money. And so a lot of people, weddings are really popular uh, at my age range right now. And a lot of people complain about, man, weddings are so expensive. You got to pay for all of these different things, especially if it's not in the city that you're in. It's like, oh, man, I spend so much on weddings and that's valid, but it's also like, man, what else would I want to spend this money on? Like I get to go see one of my friends getting married which in a huge event, and it's such a fun occasion. What else would I spend money on? Like what, what else would I do there? Um, so for me, I love food. And so, man, I'll eat cereal every day and a PBJ all day for lunch if I can go out to eat once in a blue moon and enjoy that. Now I'm gonna do just that. had a steak cubano from Cali Calientitos, baby. So good. Sabroso. So good. So I think be diligent with where you're at, but then don't feel bad about spending money where you want to. A lot of shame in money. A lot of shame in how you spend money. Um, there's a lot of that at Georgia, actually, in my crowd, which I'm kind of glad to be out of that now. Not feel bad about it. So what's your philosophy on what to spend money on? Yep. Um, what you love. So, I mean, obviously... Save some, give some. But outside of that, I love food. It's a place called Sweet Green in D.C. and South Block. Best acai bowl in the world, no shame. And then it's a great salad bowl, Sweet Green. If you've ever been to D.C. or if you're going soon, Sweet Green and South Block. Love those things. The Live My Dream podcast. I'll pay $11 for an acai bowl or a salad. So that is something that I'd spend money on for sure. Um... Brandon's not going to like this. I actually don't love concerts. So I don't really spend money on music. Brock hates music. I do hate music. But he likes my music. I love Adelaide. Great song. (laughs) 
Great song. I wrote part of the lyrics. That's um, not true. That's not true. And then uh, what else we got? Sporting events. I'll pay for a good sporting event every now and then. I don't buy clothes. I wear hand-me-downs. I wear the same clothes all the time. I hate shopping for clothes. I buy money on books. I really like reading, so no shame about buying books. But Amazon used books. I know it's putting kind of Barnes & Noble out of business a little bit, but they're just so cheap. I, I just have to. Kindle or paper? Paper. Paper guy. I love having a bookshelf at home and then making notes oh, yeah. in my books. That's Food and books probably are the two things that I spend money on. Lifelong learner and eater. Lifelong learner and eater. I'm, I would call myself a foodie, but I'm, I'm not a foodie. You just like food. I just like food. Word. Yeah. Um, Galley and Tito's. Oh, yeah. What was your first thought when you got out of bed in the morning when you were a consultant? And what is your first thought when you get out of bed in the morning now that you are in transition? First thought out of bed when I was a consultant? Um, honestly... I don't think consulting necessarily had as much to do with it, but when I was in D.C., like I mentioned, it was a harder season of my life, and I was adjusting to a lot. So a lot of times I would wake up in the morning just with some doubt about, man, back to that thriving thing we were talking about earlier, man, how the heck am I going to get out of this pit, basically? And that would be the first thought that I'm hit with in the morning. Um and then now transitioning, honestly, I don't think my job changed that very much at all. I think I still get hit with those thoughts of, man, am I going to get out of this? Um, but I think it's helpful for me to, something that I very much uh, get caught up in a lot is trying to quote unquote make it. And I think that once I make it, then I will have peace and assurance and life will be roses and sunshine and so i just need to work a lot harder and do all the right things in order to make it and so my initial response to that doubt in the morning is what do i need to change how do i need to work harder how do i make it and then i hopefully get hit with the thought of wait you idiot stop trying to do this um it will not satisfy you to make it and you will never quote unquote make it. What does that mean? I think trying to be enough in the eyes of other people. Like I just want basically planet earth to look at me and be like, dude, you're the man. You're enough. Like, thank you for everything. Um, a lot of pride caught up in that. <laughs> Whoopsie. Um, but just being honest. Uh, and so I mean, I just know, like, that is not going to satisfy me. And I can do different scenarios. If, if I did become a preacher and was in Mercedes-Benz Stadium and gave the best sermon ever and all the people in the crowd were so appreciative, I still would feel like I'm not enough at the end of the day. Um, and so it's helpful for me, like, okay, if that's not going to fulfill me, what is going to fulfill me? And it's like, oh, I forgot about the gospel which is that thing that I'm trying to go tell people with my career <laughs> and I just forget it. Um, and so I think just getting drawn back to the gospel and the story of like Jesus died for me and I don't have to do anything. Like I don't have to earn anything like that, but he died for me freely and I just want to freely give my life to people because I was freely given uh, is something that I need to like sit in a lot more. 
Um, and I still have so much to go in as far as understanding what that actually means, because I think that's super easy to cognitively say that, but for that to hit my heart takes a lot more time. Um, that's something that I'm working through. Brock, the feeling I get every time I talk to you is encouragement. And I think the reason why I feel that is because when you speak, you always sound like you are living your dream. What would you say to someone who isn't living their hypothetical dream, but you still found contentment in the day-to-day? Where did you find that? So what I just talked about in the last question, now that I'm following my dream in going to seminary, that literally is no more satisfying than me working in consulting and no more valuable to God than working in consulting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's been really helpful that I'm not like, man, life is awesome now that I'm following my dream. Absolutely not. I uh, My dream is so much more than my job. Um, my dream, I think, more relates to the impact that I want to have on people, um, which I can do that through really any medium and so i'd say for the people that aren't following their dream i mean basically for you brendan i talked to you about this but you're pursuing music but at the end of the day you want to have some sort of impact on people and you can have that impact on people through a lot of different avenues music being one of them and music being the particular one that you're choosing today and so for people that there's a loud sneeze downstairs um for people that would say i'm not following my dream what do i do i would just ask them what type of impact do you want to have on the world or on people um and what are you doing today to have that type of impact on people and no position is going to make you any better at that um i think that something that's really challenging for me is uh when people said if i looked at your calendar and your bank account statement i would know what you value where you spend your time and your money that pretty much shows everyone what you actually value and so if i brock were saying oh i value people and telling people about faith and all this kind of stuff and brendan you were to ask me okay cool show me your calendar and bank account statement and if both of those my time and my money were surrounded around me they'd be like all right i'm not actually living out my purpose, living out my dream and impacting people the way that I want. So I just encourage people to think about the impact that you want to have and start doing it. The medium through which you do it honestly really doesn't matter that much. What's the long-term vision with ministry? I try to keep it as open as I can uh, because again, like I talked about, I want to focus more on my purpose and the impact as opposed to the actual avenue through which I do it or perform that impact, whatever. Um, But I think right now, my dream long-term would be a pastor of a church. And I could talk about that all day. I think there's so many interesting things you could talk about with the church. You could talk about it from theological perspective. So what do they believe about the gospel and the Bible? And how do they plan to get that message out to people? What is the church going to focus on? I think you could look at it from like a business perspective, you know, is this a city church where we're meeting in movie theaters and being really savvy with that? Are we out in the suburbs? Are we a big church? Are we a small church? Like, do we have loud music? Are we doing all these different things to appeal to the culture or are we not? Are we very traditional? 
um, and what types of people are in the church. Is it old? Is it young? Is it ethnically diverse? Is it economically diverse? Is it like intellectually diverse? Like who we got in that building? Um, I think all that stuff is really, really interesting. I think for me today, what I think that my, if I were to have a future church, I don't know if I will, but if I were an ideal one that I think would be really cool is one that obviously focuses on Jesus as the main element and brings the Bible into faith very strongly. Um, I think some things that I'm really passionate about are teaching people how to read the Bible on their own. And so I think there's a lot of reliance now on preachers doing all of the work to pull truths out of the Bible and teach it to people. I think laymen can do that just as well. So teaching people how to actually read the Bible and unlock spiritual truths on their own. Really, really cool. Passionate about that. Hopefully school can help me out in that. Um, I think the types of people are super interesting. I'm very intrigued about one really important getting diversity in your church. That's like I mentioned, ethnically ages. So I think it's really important for people to be mentoring each other. So older people and younger people kind of walking with each other and not just being a whole clump of the same age range. I think that's really important. I think that intellectual and economic diversity is something that I wish I saw more of. Like I think I see a lot of really smart churches that focus on a ton of intellectual things. And then I see a lot of very practical churches that just focus on, well, how do I practically love people? I don't really care about theology. I think I see a lot of maybe like economically well-off churches and then some churches that aren't as economically well-off and kind of look down upon money. And so how do you have like balance there? I think balance on a lot of that is really, really interesting. Um, The ways that you evangelize and appeal to the culture fascinating how do you actually bring people to christ how do you actually grow christians how do you make them love people better all that kind of stuff is really interesting so i have more questions than i guess answers which i'm cool with so i just try to keep asking questions swag all right we are going to take a quick break for a song transition into the last leg of the podcast this is an unreleased song as of the time of this publishing, called Three Blocks Down the Road. And it's one of my absolute favorites. So check it out. So take your diamonds and your riches and gold Blues that come along with your dainty Go anywhere you go Tired of working towards a nine-to-nine job The last section of the podcast is inspired by one of your best friends, Kyle Larson. Come on. Life hacks. Life hacks. We're going to rattle these off quick. All right. One general life hack, Brock, go. Probably my favorite thing to do is to expand my own perspectives on how I think about things. And so general life hack would be to put yourself around people that think differently than you and view things differently than you and or read books or listen to podcasts with opposing points of view. Uh, That's really, really helped. I think me understand people and the world better. I think that it's expanded my experiences so much. It's made me more empathetic towards other people. 
I just understand, I think, society a little bit better. So I have so much more to go, but that would be mine. That's what I try to do is read and talk to people that are different than me and learn from them. Non-self-help book that everyone needs to read. Uh, I just read Hamilton, the biography that the play was based on. That book was fascinating as far as giving you insight into the creation of basically the U.S. government as well as political parties in America. Really, really interesting. And then, I mean, just studying Alexander Hamilton in general, very interesting guy. It's a long one, but it's worth it. That's a cool book. What about, you You're just talking about books that get you outside your kind of common worldview and comfort zone. What's one of those that you read that was really challenging and, and made you think in a different way? I uh, am trying to get more into philosophy, which tends to be more secular, and so that is something that has challenged me a lot. Uh, that book, Jonathan Haidt writes a lot of kind of centrist political books that are very challenging. App everyone needs to have on their phone. ESPN. Awesome. Go sports. I feel like that was a pretty good voice. Yeah, that was nice. That was very nice. The um, Braves are in first place. Now, four games. Brock hates music. Up four games. But. I do. Which is baffling. I just, I don't know. I don't listen to lyrics. That's. Which I know sounds weird. So. Anyways, album. I, no, I could talk about this a little bit. So I don't really listen to lyrics, so I don't get out of it what normal people do. And also, I want to be happy, and I feel like a lot of music is very sad. And so I just want a happy, upbeat song. My music is hopeful, so you can listen to my music. Brandon Abernathy, Adelaide. Brock, album that you have mildly enjoyed. <laughs> my favorite band is Mumford. I know that's like <laughs> kind of basic, but... They're so good. They and they're great live. They sound the exact same. They are, yeah. I'm very basic. They're great. So Delta? Uh, no. Um, I don't know what the album's called. Is the one where they're in the window? What's the album with? Hopeless Wanderer. Great song. I Life Story. I'm a who. I'm singing something, I think. Okay, anyways. Uh, single. That's not Lauren Diggle? It can be Lauren Diggle, for sure. <laughs> uh, favorite single song. Oh, my song Lauren of the Daigle, summer. Lauren Daigle, if you ever hear this. Brock would love to take you out on a date. Hello. Um, song of the summer. What would that be? My song right now And is... I would love to write music with you. Yes. <laughs> Hello, Lauren. <laughs> Man, that's going against my play hard to get strategy. Um, Lush Life. Is my song of the summer. I love that. Zara Larson. Such a good Such song. Such a good song. Man. Yes. Love. Tell yes. you what, I got my car back and I didn't have a car in DC. Windows down, summer rolling, lush life. That will answer all your life's problems. Lush. That was such do a it. good song. Um, okay. Never asked anyone this before, but. Let's do it. Brock is the king of pranks. What is the best prank you've ever pulled on someone? Maybe not the best one, but. I'll talk to little office pranks that you can do to people that I thoroughly enjoyed. Um, so one, when people leave their computer on when they go to the bathroom, if you have Skype downloaded on your computer, go ahead and Skype someone on their computer and just say, hey, and then exit out. And so that history is completely deleted. So they'll come back to their computer with a response that just says like, hey, what's up? So they think that they've received this new message from someone when, in fact, they reached out. So they have a good old awkward conversation there. 
Um, a lot of funny things you can do in Outlook just with changing email titles and responses and all of that kind of stuff, which is good, clean, fun. Conference calls are cool too. You can throw, you know, a Chinese restaurant on a conference call line and that'll really throw off your group. Um, also when you're on conference calls, just act like you're a different person and that'll get people in there too. I loved office pranks, man. The office made the show, the office made actual work so much better. So I love those. Amazing. All right. Parting advice. Um, to anyone listening who's on the edge of doing something they've always the wanted to glory. do. That's what came to my mind. Yeah, by, by <laughs> Lady Gaga. Uh, so, so someone that's on the edge of glory, edge of their dream, um, and maybe give like one piece of Christian advice since you're going into ministry, and then for people that aren't a Christian also, um, advice as well. Yeah. Um, I think one, if they're at their point where like, do I do it or do I not do it? Um if they haven't given it time yet, give it time. So just sit and wait and keep doing what you've been doing. And if those desires continue to increase and get stronger, then go do it. But don't feel like you got to rush into anything. Like take a breath. I don't know how old they are, but life is hopefully long. And so hopefully they have the time to just wait and sit on it. That'll be the biggest thing. And then for people that feel like they got Mike Tyson punched in the mouth, and they're like, man, how the heck do I get up? What am I supposed to do? Is this even worth it anymore? Um, my Christian advice would be to run to the Bible and run to community and be reminded of your purpose, that it's beyond your circumstances. Um, I think that, that was the biggest thing for me is run to people, bring things out into the light. Don't try to do it alone and figure out whatever your guiding light is and run back to that. Which is good for anyone. That's a Mumford song, too. Yeah, Guiding Light, part of the, the Delta, Delta album. album. I love music. <laughs> Brock is the man. And every time I leave a conversation with him, I feel so encouraged. And I also just enjoy life a little bit more. From this conversation, I have no doubt that you feel the exact same way. Maybe lay off the pranks that Brock loves to do, but take to heart all that incredible advice and incredible wisdom that he shared with us about how to live everyday life and about what it looks like to transition and to move on, to run races, and to stand back up when we get punched. Brock was a huge impact on my life, mentoring me for an entire year. So at the end of this, I usually say, reach out to me and I'd love to sit down with you. And that's true, I would. But I would love for you to sit down with Brock too. So reach out to him through his Gmail at brock.garrigan at gmail.com and set up a time to talk. Thank you so much for joining me on another awesome episode of the Live My Dream podcast. These are an absolute blast for me, and I hope they are just as much fun for you and that you learn as much from them as I do. Be sure to come back next week when I sit down with professional actress and rising star Mari Kasuya, who has already had a role in Avengers Endgame. What? And has many roles to come, so remember that name. Tune in for an awesome conversation. And in the meantime, go live your dream which is the cheesiest thing that I say, but I stand by it. So, yeah. This episode of the Live My Dream podcast is edited and produced by Brendan Abernathy, and all music therein are his own original works. The theme song of the Live My Dream podcast is called The Rat Race, and the first song you heard as an interlude today is called Adelaide. Both of those are available on all digital music platforms under the artist name Brendan Abernathy. 
The third song that you heard is an unreleased tune called Three Blocks Down the Road, which will be out probably sometime in October. Please follow along with my journey on Babernathy.com or on your social media of choice. And because you've listened to this long, as you know, I like to give a little gift at the end of the podcast, and just like a wisdom gift. What I'm learning right now is that sometimes it's hard to generate these types of ideas, and that you really just need to lean into silence and take a moment to think, to be alone, and to seek time in nature. And so that's what I'm learning right now, and I would love to hear what y'all are learning if you want to reach out and let me know.